BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, as the great Kobe Bryant once said, if you see me in a fight with a bear, pray for the bear. Grizzlies, bear. Because, goddammit, the Lakers, who were once 2-10 to start the season, have now advanced to the second round of the playoffs, beating the Memphis Grizzlies 4-2 in their first round series, absolutely demolishing them to shreds in a 40-point blowout game, 125-85. to I cannot remember the last time the Lakers ripped the hearts out of an opponent like that and sustained things through till the very end. And that team that I saw last night, that Los Angeles Lakers team that I saw last night, I don't know if we'll see that team consistently the further and further we grind our way through the playoffs, but that team, with that Anthony Davis, and that supporting cast, and that smart utility version of LeBron James, that team is a championship caliber team. Truly. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I will be joined shortly by Alan Riley, because we pre-recorded a Kings slash Warriors series preview segment prior to last night's game, kind of anticipating that the Lakers would close their series out beforehand, and thank God that they did. Usually when we pre-plan things like that, it doesn't go our way or work out, but this time it did. So thank you Malik Monk and the Sacramento Kings for pushing this to a seven-game series. And so yeah, stay tuned to the second half of our show where Alan and I will break down both the Kings and the Warriors, and the pros and cons of each team against the Lakers, and who we'd prefer in a playoff matchup in the second round. That should start this upcoming Tuesday. But for the first half of this show, shit, just join me in reveling in the euphoria and litness of this amazing Lakers team being the best versions of themselves at the exact right time. Because fuck yeah. The, The guys should be very proud of themselves, I loved seeing all of the smiles, the hugs, the daps, the celebrations, all of this team's hard work 
coming to fruition. We really got to see the joyous release of that at the final moments of that game. Pretty much the entire fourth quarter, we just saw the guys exhaling, you know, and letting out that release of grinding through a really tough series with a very physical and young and upcoming Memphis Grizzlies team. And all of the injury struggles AD and LeBron had to battle through to reach this point of vindication. D'Angelo Russell beating the allegations of his miserable playoff runs. And even though it's just a first-round series win, and obviously the job is not done, what an accomplishment for this team regardless, seeing how far they came this season. A season that once was lost, and a season that we once characterized as being in complete limbo. So yeah, what a statement game by the Lakers. The team from the jump was locked in, keyed in, Mamba mentality coursing through each player's veins. I loved seeing the EDM light sticks around the Crypto.com arena. That was awesome, and I feel like that's a staple that we should have moving forward. It looked it looked transcendent in there at Crypto.com arena. So credit to the Los Angeles crowd for coming out in droves and really pushing this team to be the best version of themselves last night. Look, this team, powered by Anthony Davis, they were teleporting on defense. They were running back like all hell in transition. D'Angelo Russell was playing up on guys like John Morant and Desmond Bain. Vanderbilt was hitting threes. D'Lo was hitting everything. AD catching and blocking everything. Coach Darvin Ham, great 40-point adjustment. Way to tighten up the rotation. Way to play Wenyan Gabriel again. Way to just be intuitive about the way you use your lineups and rotations. So... Amazing adjustments, too, defensively on continuing to play up and crowd Desmond Bain and force him to step back and not feel comfortable just walking into those three-point shots of his. So, you know, I don't want to get too crazy with this first half. I want to get to my segment with Alan where we talk about the Warriors and the Kings. I realize I'm kind of going all over the place, but I couldn't sleep last night just because of how excited I was. So to kind of just organize this first half a little bit better, there are two guys I want to talk about. I want to talk about Anthony Davis, and I want to talk about D'Angelo Russell. Anthony Davis was a maniacal madman last night. He was the driving force behind holding the Grizz, the top paint points team in the NBA. He helped hold them to 32% in the paint last night, 29% on twos. Anthony Davis was omnipresent. He was the weak side help. He was the on-ball defender. He was the closeout guy. He was the rebounder. He was the paint deterrent. He was the outlet passer. That was the most imposing 16-point game I've ever witnessed out of Anthony Davis. What he showed in this series, given the fact that he has a stress reaction in his foot that will likely require surgery this offseason, after this series that we've witnessed from the Memphis Grizzlies, who themselves are a very good defensive team. And I know they're missing Brandon Clark, Steven Adams. Even in spite of all of that, Anthony Davis showed that he is unequivocally the best defender in the NBA when he's semi-healthy and locked in. And he somehow didn't get a single vote for Defensive Player of the Year. And yet, he made Jaron Jackson Jr., this year's Defensive Player of the Year, look like a rookie last night. As well as the entire series. What Anthony Davis showed is is what separates the men from the boys in terms of Jaron Jackson Jr. Another five blocks from Anthony Davis, but that somehow didn't even tell the tale of the assault he put on the Grizzlies' offense. He pretty much blotted out the sun and instilled the fear of God into every single Grizzlies player last night. Give him the Defensive Player of the Year retroactively. 
Now, LeBron James had a quiet but efficient night as the glue guy. I can't believe I'm saying LeBron James is the glue guy. But give him credit for, in each game of this series, finding out exactly what the team needed and allowed his role players the space to be themselves, you know? And last night kind of mirrored game one in the sense that he let D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves do their thing in the pick and roll with Anthony Davis because he knew that's all we needed to push through. And it's amazing that we won this series 4-2 with LeBron James as quote-unquote the glue guy. No scoring outbursts or hot streaks from the outside, just LeBron James trying to still find himself as the glue guy while playing pretty tremendous defense and rebounding the ball. But yeah, we still have not gotten that amazing LeBron James breakout offensive game. Lastly, I want to talk about D'Angelo Russell, Mr. Coco 5, Jon Snow, the Elsa Ice Queen himself. He beat the playoff allegations of him not being a playoff caliber player. And that includes what he did prior to this game, where he scored a team-high 31 points. This was his first 50% game, 50% or above game in the playoffs, first time reaching 30-plus points in the playoffs, but most of all, he had complete control of the offense for the Lakers scoring-wise and finding AD-wise, which is the most important part. D'Angelo Russell had his best game of the season in the most important game of the season for the Lakers. So just let that sink in. And again, even if you take out last night's 31-point game from D'Angelo Russell where he hit five threes, if you look at the entirety of the series, D'Angelo Russell was actually the Lakers' X-factor. Because when D'Angelo Russell was aggressive and had his offense going for himself, the Lakers always won. The Lakers are 4-0 in this year's playoffs when D'Angelo Russell shoots more than 11 times. They are 0-2 when D'Angelo Russell only gets 11 shots or less. Moral of the story, like I said in the last podcast episode, try and get D'Angelo Russell going early off of his own shot, especially if LeBron James continues to be pedestrian offensively. Because D'Angelo Russell hitting shots in the pick and roll opens everything up for the rest of his team, makes the Lakers a more dangerous, less predictable team, and we don't even need to worry about getting... Anthony Davis involved. He will eventually find his, but also we don't need to worry about getting Anthony Davis involved because if you let D'Angelo Russell eat first, he will always find Anthony Davis. He's the one guy apart from LeBron James who actively and intentionally makes sure to feed the big man. He's got the best synergy with Anthony Davis and is always looking for him a la Rajon Rondo. In some respects, D'Angelo Russell on this year's team reminds me of Rajon Rondo plus Malik Monk fused together into one player. You've got the playmaking vision, but then you've also got that high ceiling of being a bursty offensive player who can get hot in any one moment. And so I'm just super happy for D'Angelo Russell because a lot of people were saying a lot of reckless things about him in this series, in the play-in game, game two when he only had five points. People were saying that they didn't want him back this summer. They only wanted to pay him 18 to $22 million. And D'Angelo Russell showed if the team does a more intentional job of making sure that he's involved offensively, not just playmaking-wise, but looking for his own shot, good things will happen. And lo and behold, thanks to that 131-point game last night, here is where D'Angelo Russell ranks on the Lakers team this playoffs. D'Angelo Russell is number one on the Lakers in assists, 
35 total assists. He is number one in three-pointers made, 16 three-pointers made. He is now number two in three-point percentage behind Rui Hachimura, shooting 37% from three. He also, thanks to the 31 points last night, overtook Austin Reeves as the third highest scorer on the Lakers, averaging 16.7 points. So for all the hullabaloo about how much D'Angelo Russell has struggled, how much he's kind of been inconsistent throughout games, throughout quarters, how he was shooting inefficiently, he's number three in scoring on the Lakers, number one in assists, number one in three-pointers, made number two in three-point percentage, and he can only get better from here. So yeah, go D'Lo, go Coco 5, ice in his veins. The cold never bothered him anyway. It is lit. I am so happy for D'Angelo Russell. I am so happy that we as a podcast were founded on trying to defend this guy's ass because it has all come to fruition. This is the type of stuff we were dreaming of when we saw the potential in D'Angelo Russell as a rookie in spite of all the inconsistencies and immaturities in him. We envisioned a time when D'Angelo Russell would come through in the biggest moments and light the Crypto.com Staples Center crowd, just light up that arena. And you saw every time he hit a three-pointer, it was an eruption of euphoria. That's what D'Angelo Russell can do for this team. And don't just base your perception of D'Angelo Russell on whether or not he's hitting that three-pointer, whether or not he's hitting his shots. Because even when he wasn't hitting, He was the one guy who was consistently finding Anthony Davis. His playmaking vision and his playmaking skills are so unique and innate. Don't lose sight of D'Angelo Russell's playmaking skills, even when he's struggling offensively. But clearly, it has been shown in this series, the key to us functioning well is to get D'Angelo Russell off to a good start, get him into a rhythm, finding his own shot first. All right, so... In the next segment, I'm going to bring Alan on. Again, we pre-recorded this prior to last night's games, but Alan and I will talk about the Sacramento Kings, look at our series against the Sacramento Kings during the regular season, look at our series against the Golden State Warriors, and just kind of riff about, you know, these two teams that are going to go up against each other in a pivotal Game 7 on Sunday. But we're going to look at both sides of the coin, both sides of the spectrum, and just... uh, yeah, just get excited about the Lakers advancing and some of the tactical things we can look forward to facing either the Sacramento Kings or the Golden State Warriors. I think either way, it's going to be a track meet and the Lakers are going to have to run the hell back each and every single time. I get into some of the statistics of both teams in terms of pace and their offense and stuff like that. And I'm just so glad that the Lakers will now have a couple days off before they have to rev their engines back up to face two of these high-octane offensive teams. And yeah, we'll get into the nitty-gritty details of all that stuff. But yeah, for now, just what a what an amazing night. The best Lakers game and best Lakers victory that I've witnessed since pretty much the bubble championships. It's been a long time since I felt that way as a Lakers fan. It's been a long time since I felt that confident and felt that proud to be a Lakers fan. And so we've come a long way in just a short amount of time. And you give your flowers to everyone involved. You give your flowers to Rob Palenka. You give your flowers to Darvin Ham. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have our problems as soon as the next series. But for now, just getting out of the first round, that's a huge feat and accomplishment to be proud of given how we started this season. So 
yeah, let's take it to break. And when we return, you will hear me and Alan talk about the forthcoming second round series against either the Sacramento Kings or the Golden State Warriors. But for now, yo, congratulations to the Lakers. It's freaking lit. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, Alan. Hey, Jonathan. (laughs) Let's talk about the Kings. Let's talk about the Warriors. I don't know which one we're playing in the next round. Wait, okay. So I have a, I have a legitimate question to ask you. So on Can you paper, ask me an illegitimate question as well. <laughs> okay, here's an illegitimate, legitimate question. Okay. Taking away the context, let's say just looking at things on paper. If it's the Kings and the Warriors in front of you, who would you have preferred just off the bat? <sighs> Using your own judgment or your own, however way you choose to sort of look at that matchup, who do you prefer? Um, I'll say the Kings. I feel like they, like both freaking teams are going to be pretty tough. But I am putting a lot of um, emphasis and kind of like giving a lot of credit to Golden State, you know, just for championship mentality and, and things like that. So while Sacramento is a team that would just run us up and down the floor and take advantage of our fatigue and all that kind of stuff. I, I want to avoid the experience of the Warriors and try to take advantage of the inexperience of the Kings. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of like what we're seeing play out with the Memphis Grizzlies, right? Where it's like, yeah, amazing regular season team. They've got the athletes, they've got the speed, They've got the defensive player of the year, but you're just hoping at the end of the day, experience wins out, they get frustrated, and they lose composure. And yeah, Sacramento Kings literally haven't been here before, right? This is their first time since the, what, 2004 or something? At least the Memphis (laughs) Grizzlies have been to the playoffs in prior years, and so they're going to be even more inexperienced. But you know, Mike Brown has done a great job with that team, and De'Aaron Fox has become one of the clutchest players in the league. But yeah, I would still... Out of respect to Curry and Draymond Green, Steve Kerr, I still probably would prefer facing the Kings. Like, if we're talking about the blockbuster angle of it all, Alan, then yeah, you know, Curry versus LeBron. For sure. But if we're thinking about what's the easiest path for the Lakers to get to the finals again, given LeBron James and Anthony Davis wearing down, probably the Kings, right? They will pose their own problems and obstacles for us, but... I don't know, man. A Warriors series could could go seven games or something just because of the, the tactical aspects of things and just the veteran savviness of guys like Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson. Yeah, Hollywood theatrics and stuff. If you're talking about that, give me the Warriors. If you're talking about 
let's make it through the Western Conference Finals in one piece to potentially face the Boston Celtics, Alan? Give me the Kings. But with that said, let's really quickly look at the Sacramento Kings before I get to the stats. Well, hold on. I'll go through the series really, really quickly first. So for the Sacramento Kings, all of our games with them this season happened pre-trade deadline. So I'm not really sure what you can take away from it, but the Sacramento Kings did win 3-1 against us this season. Uh, the one game that we did pull out was that barn burner of a game where we hit like where we, where we scored like 142 to 135 or something in Sacramento. But that was our only win. And again, this happened pre-trade deadline. What are your thoughts on the Sacramento Kings? The Lakers versus the Sacramento Kings. So the Kings are, are number 12 in pace during the NBA season. The Lakers were number four in pace. The Sacramento Kings led the league in scoring at 120.7. The Lakers were sixth at 117. They led the league in offensive rating throughout the season at 118.6. The Lakers were number 19 at 113.9. Defensive rating-wise, the Sacramento Kings were 24th at 116, while the Lakers were 12th at 113.2. They were second in the league in field goal percentage, which is pretty impressive, 49.4%. The Lakers were number 10 at 48.2%. And then the Sacramento Kings were third in assists, 27.3. The Lakers were 15th at 25.3. They were 20th in rebounding, 42.5. Lakers 6 at 45.7. And then they were 9th in turnovers with the Lakers at 15th in turnovers. So clearly the Kings are an offensively skewed team. Um, If we're looking at post-All-Star break stats, defensive rating-wise, the Sacramento Kings were 24th, the Lakers were 4th. Offensive rating-wise, the Sacramento Kings were number 1, the Lakers were 14th. Another interesting stat would be points off turnovers. Uh, The the Sacramento Kings rank 8th in points off turnovers with 17.2, which means they score a lot off of your turnovers. The Lakers rank 25th at 14.5. When it comes to opponent points off turnovers, the Sacramento Kings only give up 14.3 points to their opponents when they turn the ball over, whereas the Lakers are 15th and give up 16.6 points. So they kind of do a good job at getting back into transition is what that tells me. And then one other stat, offensive rebounding-wise, post-All-Star break, the Sacramento Kings were 14th. They averaged 10.6 offensive rebounds. The Lakers were 12th, averaging 10.9. But in general, and you know, with those stats as a landscape for you, What are your thoughts on a matchup with the Sacramento Kings and where do you see potential strengths of the Lakers and potential pitfalls? Yeah. Um, Well, it's interesting with De'Aaron Fox, similar to Rui in a way, like I feel like people haven't really watched De'Aaron Fox since he was with Kentucky (laughs) going against Lonzo Ball in March Madness. And uh, yeah, he's just kind of being reintroduced to the world now and people realize like what a stud he is. So, yeah, I feel like his killer instinct is going to negate his injury. So in thinking about what you can do to try to contain him the best you can, you got to put Schroeder on him <laughs> the same way that, you know, he did a great job against John Morant. And they're different players, though. I feel like um, De'Aaron Fox is a lot more crafty. Um, you know, he's not jumping off trampolines and doing somersaults in the air and things like that. He's like, he's like John Morant morphing into Mike Conley, kind of like a fusion of the two. Nice. Yeah. He's John Morant, hopefully for his sake in like the next few years, um, playing a little bit more conservatively physically and not putting his body in harm's way. 
and he's lefty too, right? So that throws yeah. in kind of a weird uh, aspect of defending him. But, you know, figure out which way you got to force him, figure out how to play him in the pick and roll coverage and all that kind of stuff and just do the best you can. Um, so that's a tough matchup. I feel like Sabonis has not been very good against Golden State. Um, so thinking about his matchup with, you know, AD and Vanderbilt and all of our uh, front court players, that'll be interesting. See what we can do to also take him out of the game. Um, what else? Davion Mitchell has become pretty, like, quite a revelation, I feel like, for Sacramento. He, he's mm-hmm. played well. Um, so they've got, oh, and then um, Keegan Murray. <laughs> That's that dude scares me. Um, he, he's kind of their X factor and he's a rookie. You know, so you kind of assume certain things, I guess, but he, he's not to be taken lightly at all. Um, he's a big body as well. So yeah. Yeah. There's, Sacramento's got a lot of good stuff going for them. Yeah. They've got the momentum on their side. They're, they're more explosive offensive team. The ceiling with regards to offense is pretty crazy. You didn't even mention Kevin Herter, right? Like they've got Kevin Herter and Malik Monk that are almost interchangeable. And if both of them are hitting shots, it's going to be a long night for you. Um, So they can get to these peaks, Alan, where they are offensively unstoppable. And, you know, that Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, like two-man tandem, two-man pick and roll is quite devastating. And I can only imagine Sabonis rounding into form at some point, right? I mean, this guy's mini poor man's Jokic. But yeah, I think the way that the Lakers can exploit the Kings is just one, one, beating them on the boards. They have the size advantage, actually. Taking it to them in the paint. Harass what they want to do with Schroeder, like you mentioned. And kind of slow the game down a little bit and make it grimy. You know, make it a Memphis Grizzlies series with the Kings because I don't think they like playing that way. They seem like the sleek Corvette. You know, they want to play this up and down fluid, aesthetically pleasing to the eye sort of offensive game. And if we can sort of muck it up for them, slow the game down a little bit, be careful with the ball and use our size and leverage our size, I think that's where we can really, you know, gain the advantage against them. And yeah, so yeah, anything else to add with regards to the Kings? No, I agree with everything you said. And while they may be relatively inexperienced <laughs> also it's like well they're playing the warriors right now who are as experienced as they come for the most part and uh they're they're holding their own for sure they got a real chance so that experience has to count for something <laughs> so yeah probably probably not going to lean too hard on that kind of an argument <laughs> but even just thinking about the lakers going back into sacramento kind of reliving our sack town sacramento queens days i mean Bring the freaking cowbells, please. (laughs) That's a raucous crowd. You forget about it, right? I mean, they have a lot of pent-up animosity towards us and all like the, you know, Donahue bad calls and all this stuff. Yeah, it's going (laughs) to bring up some old stuff. So, yeah, I mean, bring it on. That'll be awesome. And uh, Alan, Mike Brown, former Lakers head coach, I'm sure he has some vendetta against us. So that's an interesting angle to think about as well. Now, Alan, with the Warriors... I don't think we have to go too deeply into this. LeBron versus Curry, LeBron versus Clay Thompson, Draymond Green clutch connection with LeBron. He's going to yeah. have him on his podcast after the games. <laughs> that, dude, can you imagine? Hey, so we just beat your ass. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what are your adjustments for next game, LeBron? Uh, well, next on the what, what's his show called? The Green Room is Danny Green, but don't what even is? Know. Okay. Anyways, doesn't matter. So we're not plugging it. We're not plugging it. So the Warriors this season. They were number one in pace. The Lakers are number four in pace. 
They were second in scoring to the Sacramento Kings, 118.9. The Lakers were number six at 117. The Warriors were 10th in offensive rating, 115.1. Lakers were number 19th at 113.9. 14th in defensive rating for the Warriors, 113.4. Lakers were 12th at 113.2. The Warriors were first in assist, 29.8. Lakers were 15th at 25.3. They were 8th in rebounding, 44.6, while the Lakers were number 6 at 45.7. And Allen, turnovers-wise, the Warriors were the 30th team, averaging... Sorry, I don't even have the number. I just know that they were dead last in turnovers. Lakers were 15th. So that's an area that the Lakers have to exploit, turnover-wise. Post-All-Star break, defensive rating-wise, the Golden State Warriors were number 7. Lakers were 4. Offensive rating-wise, the Golden State Warriors were number 8. Lakers were 14th. Points off turnovers-wise, Golden State was 14th, averaging 16.5 points off turnovers. With regards to opponents' points off turnovers, Golden State ranked number 6. They gave up 18.1 points to their opponents, while the Lakers were 15th, giving up 16.6. So if you can turn the ball over on Golden State, Allen, and get out into transition, you can really run the score up on these guys. And then offensive rebounding-wise, the Warriors are actually a really good offensive rebounding team because of Kevon Looney and Draymond Green. Uh, they were fourth post-All-Star break, averaging 12.2 offensive rebounds. The Lakers were 12th, averaging 10.9 rebounds. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on this matchup with the Golden State Warriors? I think we have obviously, during the season, we played pretty well against the Warriors. We won the season series 3-1. We won the season series 3-1, Three of those wins were all post-trade deadline, but two of those games Curry missed. So it's kind of a murky picture. He obviously came back that last game, and I think that was the first game back from his like knee injury. So it's hard to really tell how we stack up against this team, but seeing the major players involved and generally how we've gone against this team, even in the last two years, I feel like we've really leaned on Anthony Davis and our size to gain the advantage. But yeah, what are your thoughts on a Warriors matchup? Yeah, like you said, it would be the blockbuster, probably highest rated conference semifinals game of all time. It would be tough, dude. I don't know. It it, it scares me <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, just because they get so hot and they they know how to get under your skin and they have so much. I mean, they have a lot of like green players, so to speak. Uh, who don't have as much, you know, playoff experience. This is not like, this is not the Warriors team who, who won the championship even last year. Um, but we talked about this a few weeks ago, like the players on our team and their playoff experience or lack thereof. Uh, it, it definitely kind of pales in comparison. So mm-hmm. I think coaching <laughs> is another thing. And this is not like to say anything about Darvin Ham, but I mean, that factor as well of, you know, Steve Kerr and all of his experience and his entire staff has been through it so many times together. And I mean, shit credit to Darwin. I mean, for doing the job overall, right. That he's done up to this point, the counterattacks and the adjustments that they make against each other would be really interesting to see, but I, I'm definitely like less optimistic if we end up facing the warriors, mm-hmm. um, almost more resigned <laughs> to like, yeah, well, if we lose that series, to get it <laughs> makes sense whereas sacramento is like oh we we could definitely win this one and, and i don't know maybe that's it's foolish to talk that way and, and 
maybe we're underestimating Sacramento a little bit and putting too much on their lack of experience in youth, but that that's just what my gut is saying. So not a heavy basketball take, just Warriors are scary. No, I mean, I don't think, I don't think that's a wrong take just because the playoffs is all about experience, right? And separating like the men from the boys. If the Kings somehow prove us wrong, then that's, you know, a card in their bag they can hold on to. But until they do that, it just makes sense to give the Warriors the benefit of the doubt. And Alan, they're also going to get more of the superstar calls, right? Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Like, in a series against the Kings, you'd imagine LeBron and AD would get more of the 50-50 calls than De'Aaron Fox, right? Or Malik Monk or Kevin Herter, guys that you've never really seen in these in this stage. So, yeah, it... it it does scare me. I do think it, that will go seven games. The Warriors have been a terrible, historically terrible road team this season, but they will have home court advantage, you know, against the Lakers, unfortunately. And if the Lakers can't get that split those first two games, then it's going to be really an uphill battle from there. And you just don't want to see Curry get hot. The good thing about the Warriors is they are less deep than they've ever been, I think. Obviously, getting Wiggins back helps, but they have had a weird up-and-down year, not too unlike the Lakers, where guys have staggered in and out of the lineup and they've had to reintegrate dudes. But obviously, they have more of the chemistry and cohesion from years of playing with each other, at least the core three with Dre, Steph, and Clay. And Andre Iguodala is still even on the bench there. Finals MVP Andre Iguodala. That's wild to think about. Um but yeah, in terms of the veteran savviness and just the shot making that Clay and Steph can provide, the Lakers are really going to have to X's and O's the shit out of this team, especially if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are running on fumes. But it, it'll be an exciting series for sure. And the one thing that the Lakers can lean on that has been working effectively against them is like, you know, throwing the ball into Anthony Davis and letting him go to work. And Kevon Looney scares me a little bit because he's a strong dude and he gets so many rebounds. And Draymond Green scares me because he can hold his own even against a big like Anthony Davis and get those strips and blocks. But for the Lakers, it's really going to be ratcheting up that defensive intensity. The Warriors are already a very t- turnover-prone team. So we've, if we can harass them and really, you know, we had Dylan Brooks in the first round, right? We got to let Jordan Poole be Jordan Poole, Alan. <laughs> like, let him run crazy. Let him take over the offense and make sure to phase guys like Clay and Steph out of the game. If we can do that, then I think we increase our chances in a series like this. The matchups are kind of tricky because it's like, who are you putting on Steph Curry? Is it Vanderbilt? Is it Schroeder? It's probably going to be a combo of both. Does that mean you put Reeves on Clay and then D'Angelo Russell sticks on who? Draymond Green or does he stick on Clay? Is Braun on Wiggins? You know, so it's there's a lot of things to sort of chew on, but you just know that it's going to be a chess match, and this is like, yeah, this is a, a matchup of the ages just because of the finals history between LeBron's Cavs teams and Curry and Dre and Clay's Warriors teams of the mid two thousand. So it'll be interesting to see. It's almost like. It's a reunion of sorts, right? Like where we flash forward five years, like where are we now? Each superstar core, I don't want to say on their last legs, but they're definitely seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And so that I think presents itself a lot of interesting Hollywood entertainment dynamics that should make for a very epic series, hopefully. But yeah, one that definitely 
um, is going to be a harder road to the finals than if we had the Kings. But yeah, any last thoughts on Warriors-Lakers matchup? Uh, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. If I weren't a Laker or Warrior fan, if I were just uh, an objective NBA observer, uh, I'd be so hyped up <laughs> for this series, you know. Um, you're right. This could be the last time that we get a LeBron versus Steph and Clay and Dre, but that whole thing that was going back and forth between Cleveland and the Warriors. Um, and, and to think about like even how long ago that was uh, is kind of crazy. It doesn't feel like it was that long, but it, it mm-hmm. has been. So from that perspective, shit, you know the NBA wants this. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. So we, we could appreciate that historical component. But yeah, dude, no matter what, I mean, who would have thought, right, that we'd be in the second round talking about this just a few months ago. Yeah, an underrated storyline, D'Angelo Russell revenge games against oh, the Golden yeah. State Warriors. <laughs> there it is. I mean, he was only there for like three months, but you know what? Whatever it takes to get D'Angelo Russell in, in that mindset, you know what I mean? Or maybe he takes it out on Andrew Wiggins. Wasn't Andrew Wiggins the guy they traded for? You know, and that's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Should be an interesting series regardless. All right, so I mean, everybody stay tuned. We'll see who comes out of the Kings Warriors series. Either way, Clench your butt cheeks and let's go. Round two, here we go. All right, Alan, I will see you later. So fun story. Speaking of clenching butt cheeks, yeah. Uh, and yeah, this is a good segue for it. I went, just real quick, I went to an event a couple Tuesdays ago or last Tuesday with Andy Bernstein, you know, who's an NBA photographer, and uh, oh, John shit. Sue, who is the Dodgers photographer. And there was this thing in South oh. Pasadena for like charity and supporting the arts and things like that. And uh, on this panel, um, there was Byron Scott, there was Michael Cooper, uh, Oral Hershiser, and then Jaime Harin, who was the Spanish, like, Vin Scully of the Dodgers. So, yeah, all these, like, legends are up on stage. And when they announced Byron and Michael Cooper, um, Coop comes up and B. Scott just grabs a handful of his ass, like, really, really aggressively. (laughs) And they, like, played it up and it was really funny. And they're like, yeah, this is stuff that used to go on in our locker room all the time. And I'm just like, yeah, this is not surprising. This is how my friends have been since like middle school and high school. Um, And then Oral Hershiser, who's this like pretty conservative dude. And, you know, he's a baseball player, not a basketball player. He comes up and then uh, Michael Cooper slapped his ass and uh, Oral made a joke. He's like, you shouldn't do that to a guy with the name Oral. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so you said uh, clench, clench some butt cheeks. That's where my mind went. So there's a little little insider. Nice. I, I like where you took that direction. I did not expect that, but clenched butt cheeks indeed. Hopefully those are the only types of clenched butt cheeks we get in the second round with the Lakers celebrating with each other by squeezing each other's butts and less clenched butt cheeks for us as fans because the Lakers are taking care of business against the Warriors or against the Kings. All right. Thanks for that story, Alan. See ya. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Later. <laughs> Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.